Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. Steve Thomas worked in local government for 30 years, 15 of which he spent as the chief executive of the Welsh Local Government Association. In 2018, he stood down as chief exec and now chairs Glandord Cymru and the Merthyr CBC Assurance Board. And tonight he talks to us about one of the third rails of Welsh politics, local government reform. Hello, Steve. Hello there, Mart. How are you? Very well. Thank you very much for joining us. So, Steve, set the scene for us uh, as far as Welsh local government goes. So Wales has 22 local authorities. Why is this the case? And has there ever been a, a serious attempt to reform them? Well, as you're probably aware, there was many serious attempts uh, throughout the past decade or so. Um, going back to, uh, I mean, it was the first minister at the time, Carwin Johnson. He didn't seem to have many ideas on public services reform, but his one big idea uh, was local government uh, reorganisation. Uh, so a report was commissioned called the Williams Report, which was chaired by a then health chair called Mr. Paul Williams, which came up with something like 50-odd recommendations. It's one of the longest reports since Tolstoy. Uh, the reports, they came up with a lot of recommendations, four of which concentrated on local government reorganisation. So everybody in Wales forgot the 50 other recommendations and spent all their time talking about foreign local government reorganisation. Leighton Andrews came as, as a minister, talked about six authorities in Wales, which, again, fatal when you start with a number on local government reorganisation, always fatal. And uh, just as we uh, thought that the local government reorganisation debate has gone away, as Marx once says, history, you know, uh, returns as fast. And uh, Alan Davis came in as the minister and decided to uh, revive the issue once again. And that went absolutely nowhere. So the whole history of local government reorganisation in Wales, as you say, is the third rail. Anybody who touches it really does burn their fingers. But I think the reason for that is that they've all come at it from the wrong angle. I think they're, you know, if there is to be a reorganisation in the future, I don't think there'll be one now straight after COVID. I don't think, you know, I think organisations are fundamentally fatigued and, you know, really still trying to deal uh, with the, you know, there's still a pandemic going on, so they're still trying to deal with that. But if there is public sector reform in the future, I think there are different ways to do it than the, the failed ways we tried in the past. Why do you think it is that it hasn't been reformed then? Is it just too politically difficult? Or is there a lack of willingness from both sides to truly engage on the issue? Well, I think the, 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 the pure political fact uh, about the previous reorganisations was that there was no majority in the Senate for reform. And Labour, local government in particular, largely didn't want it. So those dual forces uh, mitigated against any sort of reform. It, it, there always was a view in the WLJ, and there always was a view amongst many councils that voluntary mergers was a way forward. I, 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 people always said we were against mergers. That was the exact opposite. Our leader, Bob Wellington, if you recall, uh, from Torvine, proposed the merger of Torvine and Blaine and Gwent on a voluntary basis. You know, that, that was, people didn't recognize the symbolism of that. They were missing something pretty important, I think. But the, the bottom line was that when people started talking about eight local authorities or six local authorities, it was always the wrong place to start. And then they failed to address key issues about who was going to finance local government reorganisation. And then nobody at all would touch council tax. I mean, when you bring two authorities together with different levels of council tax, you've got to pay to equalise one. So one's got to go up. And one's, you know, and every, either stays the same or goes, goes down. So if you had Caradigan and Pembrokeshire together, for example, Pembrokeshire is one of the lower council tax in Wales, you know, you'd have to spend 
residents in Ceredigion uh, spend probably about you know two or three hundred pounds more. So you'd have to equalise that over a period of time. Well, that costs a lot of money, and nobody would address that issue in most government. So the result was that reform just went round and round and round and round. And I think the upshot of it was that there was a lot of heat, uh, there was not much light, and there was a lot of casualties on the battlefield afterwards. In the cooperation agreement between Labour and Plaid Cymru, obviously, there is a very vague promise to reform council tax to make it fairer. Do you think that is with mind of potentially reforming local authority at a later date, maybe equalising it or putting it on a more national foot, uh, more national basis to allow uh, for a different funding model that, that could see reorganisation in a different way? When I first saw that, I mean, I, my initial response was, anybody says reform council tax, my, my, my measured response is, good luck with that. The, the point, however, is that, I mean, council tax is a deeply regressive tax and everybody knows it is. The problem is that it's, you know, it's, it's also a tax that's well collected. Local authorities collect have collection rates of above, you know, 96, 97, 98%. So what you don't want to do is put in place a system that destabilizes the council uh, funding regime uh, in Wales. You, you know, council tax funding is, uh, once somebody once told me, a senior leader once told me, is dull but deadly. And there is something in that. I mean, ask Margaret Thatcher and the poll tax, you know, it is dull but deadly. And I think, you know, the other thing people have got to remember is that, you know, most local authority funding doesn't come from the council tax. It's about 20% of local authority funding. Most local authority funding comes from the revenue support grant, which is passed on and decided by Welsh Government from the uh, money that they receive from the UK Government. So ultimately, council tax is important, but it won't lead a local government reform. And I think, personal view, if you were to look at reform in Wales, you've got to look at that word, those words public sector. I don't think you're just talking about local government. If you look at COVID, you know, I, I don't mean this to sound flippant, local government did, did rather well, I think, during the COVID crisis. I think, you know, in terms of frontline service delivery, they did okay. Some organisations in Wales, I don't think, did very well at all. I mean, take some like Public Health Wales. I mean, they, they had a pretty bad experience, didn't they, during COVID? So I think, you know, if you're going to look at the entirety of public services, you know, you've got to look at all the services that are delivered through Welsh Government. And again, going back to Williams, I mean, Williams, as one of the things we do forget, Williams at the time talked about far too much complexity in the public sector in Wales. Well, if it was complex then, it's Byzantium now. It's absolutely Byzantium now. You know, we're adding more and more organisations to the Welsh public sector map almost on a daily basis. CJCs are the latest lot. Uh, so, you know, it's getting, I mean, does the public understand this? God, no. I mean, I don't understand it and I'm involved in it, you know. So uh, it's, there's a lot of complexity out there. And I think there's a, there's, there's a case for delaying and simplifying and making this map much more understandable. I think that's what we'd like to, to explore a little bit, Steve. I think we've touched on uh, the reform and certainly in my policy work, you can see a lot of problems with the, the 22 authorities we've got. I think amongst stakeholders, it doesn't get said very well, but off the record, stakeholders will say that they're a bit fatigued with the, the number of bodies that you just alluded to. Yeah. So have you considered how it could best be done to reform the Welsh local authority sector? Again, I mean, I don't think speaking out of turn here, the, the, the WLJ leadership once went to see Carwin Jones and offered 14 local authorities in Wales. Uh, that offer was never taken up. 
I think that was a realistic offer. What it was looking to do was actually get authorities. I, I'm not a great believer in optimum sizes, but it was looking to get authorities across Wales, which had populations of over 100,000 uh, across the piece, to give them that sort of scale and capacity uh, that you know was required, particularly under austerity. They, they, you know, there was a, there was a lot of thinking going on at the time. Uh, that was rejected at the time. And then there was this view that, you know, we need to reorganise on the boundaries of local health boards. Why? You know, are they beacons of public service excellence? You know, Betsy Cagwallad, the, the local health board, the other day, I mean, they were talking again about putting into special measures. That's after five years of the, the health board being in special measures. I mean, if there's anything it tells us is that there's, thing, there's, there's economies of scale and there's also diseconomies of scale. The organization in question is too bloody big and everybody knows it is. And it just cannot deliver that intimate local level that it's required to do. Same with CUMTAF, maternity services and special measures. So I think there needs to be a look across the whole of the functions. And I noticed the cooperation agreement talks about a national care service. I'd like to see more meat on the bones of that proposal, but I think there is something in the idea of certain things being delivered in, through social services at the national level, but it's got to have a local delivery side as well. You can't deliver social services from Cardiff, it just wouldn't work. So, you know, you've got to have local delivery bodies there as well. So you take certain functions up to the higher level. And I think you start talking about form, you know, and the type of bodies that you want. I think there's a lot of things you could do with the Welsh public sector, but you know, decluttering, actually looking at who does what, and making greater linkages between public sector organisations seems to me to be you know the way forward. But the other thing I think that we've got to do is make it more understandable to the public. I think most people are absolutely not just confused, and they're not confused; they just don't understand what's going on up there. And I think the upshot of that is that you know it's it's not good in terms of transparency or scrutiny. I'm going off script now, so I'll annoy Matt here, Steve. But Matt interviewed Hugh Thomas of Cardiff Council last week, and he was quite open and honest with us and said he's one of the leaders who who would be open to that kind of reform. Do you, do you think there is that isn't a lone view? Would you think that is out there? It's just not really at the table yet. I think if austerity, if the deep punishing austerity that we experienced over the last ten years had uh, sort of continued over the recent period, I think we would be talking about voluntary mergers of local authorities. I think there's absolutely no doubt about that. I think COVID has put the whole of the public sector in Wales in a kind of state of suspended animation structurally. And I think, you know, I'm not that worried about the structures. It's what the services that they deliver is the key thing. You know, I mean, I think Cardiff always had a view uh, that, you know, they would have liked to seen a return to what was a you know the old South Glamorgan would merge you with the Vale? I think the Vale always had the view that they'd rather merge with Anglesey than Cardiff, and you know it's, <laughs> there was all these you know so you have all these political dynamics in place, don't you? So the result is that you know it's better to have two willing partners than a you know forced marriage, and I think that's why we always thought you know the publication of maps was absolutely the wrong way to do it. It should be about negotiation. It should be about willingness and it should be about business cases. You know, it should be about clear, demonstrable benefits to the public. That's why, you know, that's why you do it. You don't just merge things together because they look nice on a map. Yeah, I think we'd all agree it's that, that service provision which should be the objective in any kind of things. Um, like you've mentioned the Williams report now from back in um, back in the day and 
I, th- I think it's right that the WLGA, you mentioned the 14 uh, authorities option, which you took to, to Welsh Government. But I think there was also a proposal about four combined authorities across Wales. Was that a genuine discussion and was it a reasonable proposition, do you think? It was a, it was a brilliantly written paper. I wrote it. <laughs> reasons. Uh, we, we will be tweeting at the end of the show, so we'll put that out so it can be looked at. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the whole point about that was the direction of travel, the way we thought things. I mean, in one sense, you could argue that the CJC proposal is a bit like that, although it's not a combined authority in the English sense. You know, the, the, the Manchester combined authority is a big, powerful beast with an elected mayor and lots and lots of functions and runs a devolved health and social care service. There's no suggestion of that in Wales. Well, that's what we were thinking about. That's what we were, you know, thinking about in terms of how things go forward. Was there a case to do four combined authorities across Wales and, you know, what functions would sit in those combined authorities? And in effect, I think we took a view that, you know, you would take some of the higher level strategic functions at that level and you would keep what I would describe as the clean, green and safe services locally. I.e. picking up the bins, you know, environmental health, trading standards, all those types of things. So that was a genuine proposal. I mean, it got, again, it got, you know, it, it got caught up in a, the debate on local government reorganisation. And I think at the time, Leighton Andrews just completely ruled it out. But it was, it was one of those proposals. It was a genuine and serious proposal. Going beyond the idea of, of maps and, and numbers of local authorities, Steve, how otherwise do you think local government should be reformed in Wales? There's a, you know, there's a question that's constantly put to people that in Wales, for all the talk we have of not following the mistakes of England, we have, have, we have over-centralised in Wales like they have done in England. Do you think there is call for further powers to be given to local government? And if so, which ones? Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on record as saying the, the devolution train never leaves the Cardiff station very often. I think, you know, the, the in terms of additional powers, I think you could do lots of things. I mean, I mentioned public health. Public health was devolved into local authorities in England in 2007. It's, it's been a success at that level. Why we have a national, you know, you, you could have a national organisation just doing some of the specialist laboratory stuff, but public health should be sitting with environmental health, trading standards, social services, public health was the foundation function of local government, the great public health reforms of the 19th century. There are other things that you could look at. I think local government should have a role in terms of health scrutiny. I do not agree with the current way that we scrutinize health in in Wales. I think local health boards are generally pretty ineffective. And I think, you know, you saw it recently with the maternity services in Cumtaf, you know, disastrous reports really bad services being provided to the public, no one resigns. I, I think the, the, the local health boards, you know, are not great governance mechanisms. So I think local authorities can have a role there in terms of scrutiny. But I think, you know, in, in broad terms, there's a lot of things, you know, you, you, local authorities are very good. If you ask them to do something, they generally tend to do it. And, you know, if you ask them to take on board additional functions, they'll take on board those additional functions. And I can, you know, I can name a lot. On that point, Steve, I'm going to quote from your WLGA valedictory speech where you said, realistically, it was only a matter of time before the attention of Cardiff Bay turned to areas like transport, education and regeneration, which had been the preserve of councils. It was not just a case of them parking their tanks on the lawn, but the small size of the lawn in the first place. Mm. So do you think that with um, your own words in mind, do you think that they 
that local authorities and Welsh government can peacefully coexist and, and adequately delineate where the responsibility for each topic lies? I mean, I've been, I've been at the WLJ for uh, since 2019, and I think the relationship <laughs> that probably because I've gone, uh, I think the relationship between uh, Welsh government and uh, you know local government in general has become much better. And I think the thing that's consolidated that. I mean, what I also said in that lecture is when Welsh government and local government works together, the best outcomes are delivered. And I quoted, I think, in the lecture, the waste delivery program in Wales. You know, the recycling program, best in Europe. You know, and that was really close working between Jane Davison, as it was the minister at the time, WLJ and a range of other people. And we really, you know, rolled our sleeves up and got a great recycling program in place. And I think the same thing happened with COVID. I think local authorities, you're under the very capable leadership of Andrew Morgan. Andrew Morgan, I think, is one of the most important politicians in Wales. I just don't think people recognise that. But I think in broad terms, I think his leadership of the WLJ has been very important in terms of making those linkages with Welsh government. And, you know, when Beecham talked about, you know, small country governance, you could see when, you know, the sectors elected government works together, that real benefits follow. So I, I think there, there is something, you know, in terms of close proximity in Wales, in terms of the ability, you know, you don't always have to be at the third world, in the third world war between devolved and local government. Um, but I think at the same time, you know, local government is its own, uh, has is their, their own sovereign bodies, and ultimately, it's for them to determine what's best for their own locality. Do you think having Andrew Morgan in place then makes it more likely the Welsh government will start to devolve powers down to local authorities? I would hope so. I mean, I think in, I think, you know, Andrew's relationship with the First Minister, I think, is very good. Um, I think, you know, the discussions that... You know, they were always, there always was this offer from Welsh government that they would devolve powers, but it was always with this sting in the tail that, you know, we'll devolve it if there's six of you. Well, if there's a case to devolve it, devolve it. What, you know, what what difference does the number make, you know? And I, I, I just thought the whole thing was, was a daft argument. And I think in, in broad terms, you know, the, if, if we are looking to do something different in Wales, you know, having that greater level of devolution to the regions and to the localities in Wales is the way forward. I despair sometimes of the independence debate. It's the debate which just occurs at an all-Wales level and seems to forget, you know, the problems of devolution within Wales. And that's something, you know, it's, it's a great lacuna in our debate, I think. So I, I did see something I think you wrote maybe last year about the role of local government in the, the constitutional discussion we're having in Wales. What's your thoughts on that? And where do you think local government fits into that broader conversation? I mean, I, I worry about the constitutional discussion. I mean, I, 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 this, is, this is a caricature here, but on, on the one hand, you seem to have a sort of conservative party that looks fundamentally bored with devolution. And, you know, since David Meldon has gone, has lost any enthusiasm whatsoever. And on the other hand, you seem to have a sort of form of utopian nationalism that basically you know, recognises all the problems in Wales, but blames it all on the constitution and basically says, you know, it'll be all right on the night when independence is achieved. Well, you know, I, I think the debate is more sophisticated than that. And I think we should be talking more about outcomes in Wales. You know, whether we're a devolved Wales, a federalist Wales, a devil Max Wales and independence Wales, the bottom line is, we've got to start thinking about the, we've got to start thinking about the services provided within this country and the outcomes that they deliver. And, you know, as, a, as it stands in, in a lot of public service provision at the moment, it's not very good. 
And I think, you know, in broad terms, you know, we just seem bored with this debate. You know, it's all very exciting to talk about, you know, the wonders of independence and all, you know, on the opposite pole, you know, why don't we abolish the assembly? We, but, you know, the actual hard graft, the day-to-day -day achievement of outcomes and actually affects people's lives is something we just seem to, you know, we, we just pass over. I mean, I, again, I go back to that Betsy Cadwalder example the other day. You know, I can guarantee you, you know, you stick a Union Jack on a flag on a building on a, in Cardiff and you'll have a Twitter storm. You know, you have a local, you have a local authority or sort of health board being told that they might go into special measures and, you know, broadly interest a couple of people. So I, I just think our priorities are wrong. I think that's very much what we're trying to do with Hiroth, Steve, is to really, you know, highlight some things we want. We want more of a focus on in Civic Wales. So anything you've got to, to help us focus on, that is a good idea. Betsy, Betsy, Matt, Rich is something we're going to have to program in for later in the year. But we're obviously talking about local government and you mentioned earlier the plethora of things and we've got we've got city deals we've got regional partnership boards uh corporate joint committees i think you mentioned cjc's and we can even add in you, you regularly get people talking about mayors regional mayors um, we've got the western gateway in the mix and things like that various cross-border groups how does all this how do you think this can all play in the future of welsh local government do you think it needs a shake a step back and a view or do you think it is all part of this huge mix it, it can't play i mean you, you can't have a heinz 57 varieties variant of sort of public services it's just it's just not going to work i mean the, the bottom line is is you know it's a it's a massive incoherent in infrastructure that sort of as it's had but the metropolitan in landrid not wells the whole of it is just becoming more and more obtuse and abstract i think in terms of the way that it's, it's set out I mean, I for ages try to work out, you know, how the CJCs would sit, the city deals would sit with education consortia, would sit with regional partnerships for social services. I mean, ultimately, do the public care about any of this? I don't think, you know, I think the, the bottom line is what they really want are decent. They're not worried about delivery agents. They're worried about delivery. And I think the trouble is there are too many delivery agents. And that means, you know, I think if you go down the route of just having a focus on local government, you're missing a trick. I, I wouldn't do it now. I think I'd give it a year or two to settle down. But COVID is bound to change the way the operating models of local authorities, bound to change the operating models of the police, bound to change the operating models of the health, uh, of the health service. Well, what does that mean for the way they deliver in the future? You know, for a start, it means that, you know, you're not going to have, have huge civic centres full of local government officials or, you know, you're not going to have huge administrative centres full of public service officials uh, and because of the use of Zoom and Teams and everything else. So, you know, what, how does that mean? What does that mean for the structural configuration of the way we deliver public services? I think, so I haven't pulled time to ask those questions because the Welsh Government budget is looking good for the next couple of years. You know, it's 2.5 billion coming into Wales uh, uh, from the Chancellor's announcement. So that's looking pretty good. So the bottom line is, you know, if you're going to do something, you know, take a breath after COVID, but then start up and have a look at the, the public sector in its entirety. And I think, you know, that's uh, that's what I would like to see in the cooperation agreement. I suspect you know, things like the National Care Service are a step towards that, although I don't, I'm not certain more progress has been made on that to date. Uh, but, you know, I think that's that's a start, but there's many other things you could look at.
I'm aware of a few areas where local authorities do work together. And I just wonder whether, um, well, some of that is driven by funding available. So, uh, for example, you've got the various waste schemes, which are, are done on a, a number of local authority scales. Um, I think there's a few operate together on education now. Mm -hmm. And um, I think uh, one of the things I bored a chapter here with is around the old regional transport consortia, which disappeared about a decade ago, but I think are beginning to redevelop. Do, do you think some of these areas, the, the local authorities themselves can drive like behind the scenes, as it were? No, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to sort of intrude on the sort of past, you know, past bad acts, but the regional transport consortia was starting to make a difference and once government abolished them. So, so you know, I, I, I think in broad terms, you know, there are plenty of areas where people can work together and the CJCs will be looking at transport. They'll be looking at regional transport strategies. I suppose there's a potential there for them to become joint transport authorities. And, you know, if that's the case, great, well done. So I, I think there are ways forward. And I think, you know, there are, there are things that could be delivered regionally. But I think that if the pandemic tells us something, and I've been you know, working in Merthyr a lot, Merthyr has its problems, but one of the things that Merthyr did during the pandemic, it was the best authority in Wales in terms of distributing business grants. And it was one of the best authorities in Wales uh, in terms of its ability to get around, the, you know, in terms of food deliveries and supporting local communities. And it did that because of intimacy rather than scale. So there's a lot to learn from both. You know, small can be beautiful. Uh, so I think, you know, we mustn't just dismiss the, 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 you know, the, some of the smaller organisations, really. Just, I think Matt's going to come in now, but I just want to say the the point on regional transport consortia that will definitely be clipped up, and I'll play that to a few transport geeks because that was one of the the things which does bug me. I, they were a big loss, I think. Yeah, Steve. So one thing I found very interesting in terms of how the the relationship between Welsh government and local government has been is the discussion we've been having on the shared prosperity fund and the way that that is being used as a replacement for former EU funds. Now, the, the way we had this discussion with you, Thomas, the other day was that basically the way it's being done now lacks a sort of strategic overview, but there are other voices, and I think Conservative MSs have made this point in the Senate, that the Shared Prosperity Fund is actually much more empowering for local authorities in terms of how they distribute that money. So what is your assessment of the discussion that we've been having about Shared Prosperity Fund and the way that Welsh Government views local government? I've got a slightly quirky view of this because I was never one to get too hung up on European funding. I, I, I towards the towards the end of the European funding regime in Wales with wherefore, I mean, I just thought the whole thing was a bureaucratic mess. I would have welcomed anything that replaced it. You know, it was one of those it was one of those situations where you know I, I don't know what was you know we seem to take great pride in winning audit awards for the way we spent money. You know, we the way we sort of caretake the money rather than spending it. Um, I think the Shared Prosperity Fund, I mean, what's interesting about that, you know, is, you know, it's linked inevitably into the Levelling Up Fund. I mean, Levelling Up is a great idea. Uh, but, you know, when I read the, the, uh, the paper, the, the Michael Gold paper the other day, and, you know, it again just seems to be one of those things that's repackaging announcements. I mean, Kerry knows that, you know, I'm a chair of an organisation that's done very well into the Levelling Up Fund. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I worry that the Levelling Up sort of issue in... Uh, across the, the UK, in effect, 
is going to be you know the success of uh, the big society remember the big society that was going to change everything leveling up has become one of those phrases and it? it's the answer to everything well it's not going to be that you know i would i would suspect however that you know the shared prosperity fund is going to be there in some shape or form whatever shade of government government is at westminster over the next period the key thing is to get the quantum up and i think probably make it a bit more targeted than it is i mean six authorities out of 22 in wales getting funding is not good and i think you know in broad terms some of the some of the targeting is you know is is missing the point in terms of uh, some of the schemes go forward obviously when it comes to the canal absolutely hits the mark uh but the you know in uh in 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 terms of uh, in terms of the fund itself as they say i think it's one of those ones where you know the quantum is a problem we were promised upon brexit that the shared prosperity fund would match european funding well you know statistically it doesn't it doesn't come anywhere near that there's been many allegations on these new funding rounds, Steve, that these, the decisions made on this are politically motivated. Do you think that allegation could be levelled at the former funds when they were allocated by Welsh Government? I think, again, you've got to be very careful about this. I mean, I know about, of course, funding is politically motivated. <laughs> Politics always plays, but why is the Royal Mint in Land Trust in that? I mean, it's, I, you know, I, I don't want to say, Steve, I don't want to say. <laughs> you know, I mean, Jim Callaghan was Prime Minister and the Royal Mint mysteriously turned up in Lantrisset. You know, of course, politics always plays a part in all these sort of, uh, in, in all these allocations. So, yeah, of course, there's some political inf- in, 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 inference in there. But, I mean, at the same time, I think, you know, the, the fund itself is the question is, is it, is it going to be a game changer or is it just, again, one of these funds that's thrown out and it does a couple of decent schemes around the country. And, you know, there's there's minimal, you know, there's minimal benefit, but some people are happy. I suspect it's in the latter category. You know, it's 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 not a transformational approach. That said, if the central government keeps funding uh, the revenue settlement as well as it is, I think that will do as much for leveling up as a capital fund. I think good sources of revenue are equally as important as capital funding. I think, you know, if you want to, you know, if you want to really do something in terms of creating jobs, if you want to do something in terms of helping some of the poorest in society, getting good revenue funding in the public sector organisations does as much for leveling up as anything else. And the last thing on this point is that one of the things that's, been alleged again about local authorities is they lack the expertise or skills or staff to appropriately bid for funds like this. Do you think that's true? Or do you think that's just a bit patronising and, a, and, a, and a sort of people looking down at the quality of the officials in Welsh local government? I think there has been a seeping away of expertise in local government over the decade of austerity. It was obvious it was going to happen. That said, I think there's some you know some really good people there. Again, I think. You know, one of the things that you would hope that's going to come out of the, the the joint committees is that, you know, some of that expertise could be pooled. But at the same time, I think the, the, the bottom line is local authorities' role in ec- economic development is limited in any sense. You know, the, the big strategic stuff is now down to Welsh government. So I think in broad terms, there, there can be local added value from the, from the local authorities. The city deals can add value. But ultimately, I think, you know, this is, you know, when devolution was set up, this is what I was expecting Welsh Government to do. This is what I thought Welsh Government would be about, be adding strategic value, sorting out the infrastructure across Wales and sorting out, you know, the the, the capital assets of Wales. And whether they use local authorities to do that, whether they use the private sector to do that, 
you know, that's their strategic commissioning role. Well, one of the questions we put to Hugh last week, uh, Steve, was around the local government deficit, the dem- democratic deficit, as it were. Yeah. And so one of the, this is, you know, we're talking to you tonight as part of a local government series ahead of May. And um, the average vote five years ago was um, 42% in Wales. That's what the turnout yeah. So we put we put to Hugh that uh, Labour got forty percent of the vote in Cardiff. So of all those that could vote, it was roughly around twenty percent. You know, what do you think we can do to better engage that kind of? You know, I think you've talked about it tonight about that interest. What are people interested? What are they interested in? How can we get people to engage in some of the most important political aspects of their lives? Are the stuff they ignore and you know look at other I- things. I, I took a, a group of, as chief of WLJ, I took a group of 16 to 18 year olds to a council council meeting, and I won't name the council. And I watched them lose the will to live during the course of three hours. And that was all about the fact that one, the procedures there uh, just baffled them. Two, the language being spoken they didn't understand. And three, it was boring. You know, it wasn't very interesting. And I think there are important things that local government does, but I think we have a way of doing business, which is, you know, we're, we're, we're in a 21st century world with 19th century procedures. And I think that is something really needs sorting out in, in terms of making it more attractive. I mean, it's part of the reason why people from BMA community, BMAE communities and women and you know other groups just do not stand. I mean, you know, there, there is an issue in terms of local government with predominance of people like me, you know, middle-aged white men. And I think, you know, that is something, again, I see the WLJ is doing a campaign in terms of trying to, you know, encourage more diversity. That's fine. But again, I, I'd also say that the political parties have a massive, uh, massive role in terms of this, in terms of the people they select and in terms of the people that, you know, come forward to stand. And again, I mean, I remember when we did the what was known as the scrappage scheme where councillors were paid to stand down. We select, you know, we, we, we paid some councillors to stand down and some older councillors came back instead of them. And, you know, <laughs> that, that wasn't the intent of the scheme. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I think there's a lot that could be done, but I, I, I just think that local government, like the public sector in, in, in general is, you know, is, is plagued by vacuous management speak. It's plagued by a sort of constitutional uh, framework, which to say owes its, owes its heritage to the 19th century. And I think all these things could be changed. I mean, the times of meetings, the way meetings are held, uh, the sort of support for people coming into councils, you know. And we, you know, we parade young councillors around like they're gold dust because they are. You know, it's just, you know, it's, it's a tragedy when somebody, a young person, leaves a council and decides they're not going to stand anymore. But you know, the bottom line is, as it stands at the moment, you know, Welsh local democracy is, you know, still the preserve of largely white men over a certain age. I recognise that and share some of those problems, and I, I've got my own uh, social media campaign to to get people only to stand two terms in four, just to shake up diversity and things. I think something like that is something which will be needed. But you mentioned there that you took a youth party to look at how things work. This will be the first uh, local government elections with 16 16 to 18-year-olds. 
do you, do you think, I'm not expecting it to make a big difference, but do you think we'll get a level of engagement we need? Or do you think it'll follow last year's Senate and not be that spectacular? Sadly, I think it'll be the latter on the former. And uh, as I say, I, 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 I sort of understand that. I mean, I, I've, got, I've got four children and, um, you know, they're, they're, none of this excites them. None of this excites them at all. You know, it's, it's one of those... You know, if you, if you give them a choice of this or sort of Love Island, I know which one they choose any day of the week, you know. Um, and uh, I, I, think the, I think the issue is that we've, uh, we've got to make this more exciting, we've got to make it more relevant, and we've got to make it seem like a place where their peers are present. And as it stands at the moment, it doesn't seem like that. You know, it doesn't seem like that at all. You walk into the average council chamber and you're not greeted with a scene of diversity and I think that is a problem and you know I, I notice all the political parties have signed up for the diversity campaigns great but again in their selection procedures they could do a lot more in terms of encouraging uh, a more diverse range of candidates I think the other thing in terms of going forward as well is that I think you know the the continued use of zoom teams this type of media is absolutely essential I think, you know, if, you, if you're people with young families and you haven't got the, you know, particularly in rural areas, you know, power's carry. If you're traveling from McCuncliffe to Landred, Nod Wells, you know, it's a two hour round trip, isn't it? So, you know, the, 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 the bottom line is, you know, if you've got a young family, you might not have the time to do that. So, you know, zooming in from uh, your home, I think is something that should be encouraged. And again, uh, you know, this is where I think we need to look at the public sector post-COVID. I think there's a lot of things that could wrap, you know, with a lot of lessons to be learned and a lot of changes that could be made on the back of this. I follow Paris with some interest, but I tend not to get involved because it, it kind of upset me no end. But uh, what, about, what about some of the, the voting options we've got available to us? Do you think that could be something we should look? Because one of the things with devolution, I don't think we try things enough. I think it's given us a platform and we're not, doing it do you think something well, like is, single it, transferable votes or something yeah there is this option that local authorities could locally adopt the single transferable vote if two-thirds of the council vote for it I, who thought that went up i mean what is that about you either do it or you don't do it I mean, you, you, welsh government doesn't you know welsh government wants to hedge his bets on this doesn't it because the bottom line is it doesn't want to introduce single transferable votes for itself so it'd be accused of hypocrisy if you told local government to do it i mean yeah of course you need to modernize the voting system you know it's it's a voting system designed to suit the english rotten pillars you know it's, it's sorted out I mean, you know sorry i mean rant over these are great clips that should be coming out for the rest of this week, Steve. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right on STV, though, aren't you, Steve? I think that the chances of that being introduced by people who've been elected under first past the post are, are very small. And it's sort of is it's an, an olive branch to those who accuse the Welsh government of not reforming their own electoral system to make it more proportional. No, exactly. I mean, you know, the, 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 Welsh, the Welsh government voting system is only slightly better than the first past the poor system, isn't it? You know, so the idea that that's some sort of model to be followed is, is bizarre. But, you know, to then sort of say, you know, you should have 22, you could have essentially have 22 different electoral systems out there. You know, the average returning officer would probably be, you know, need medical help to try and administer the system. You know, it's just, it's just absurd. So on the topic of elections, Steve, thank you very much for coming to talk to us. We, we're gonna, uh, I'm going to end anyway. I think Kerry has some sort of canal-related trivia to ask you about. But I, I wanted to ask you about the elections proper uh, and whether 
you think there's going to be any major changes from what you can see in terms of Wales's local authority and who is in control of those councils? I mean, I, you know, I'm not John Curtis or anything like that. I, mean, <laughs> I, 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 I suspect that I suspect there's not going to be if there's going to be a huge amount of change. I would imagine you know Labour might do slightly better than they did last time. I think you know the national polls tend to suggest that people do vote on national election issues at local elections. Uh, that said, I think the independents will control large swathes of uh, local government in Wales, and uh, we're always curious to see what happens here in Conservative Monmouthshire. Thank you, Steve. Now, Kerry, do you have a canal-related question? Well, it's not, it's not so much a question. It is congratulations. Like You referred to it in uh, the, the pod, Steve, around uh, how successful Glandor Cymru have been in the, the levelling up fund. So I, I was just going to congratulate you and the team on that, because... Their schemes I've worked on, both on the Langothlin and the, the Monty. I just wonder if you want to say a few words. I just think what they can deliver in terms of health, well-being, green-blue infrastructure, tourism, economic development. I'm, I'm sold and I, I want more in Wales on what the other those assets we've got. So congratulations. And I just want to see if you could say a few words. No, I mean, we, we, we're absolutely delighted. And we, we're delighted as well, of course, that we work with local authorities to do it. And, you know, the, the, the Monty has been a joint bid with Powys and the, the, the work on Pond Consultees in particular is, is, you know, we're working with Wrexham very closely on the, the World Heritage site. We're also doing quite a lot on the on the modern break. Um, we spent, you know, a lot just doing it lying under the locks. We've got the Ponty Mile work ongoing. So a lot of stuff going on in the towns at the moment. I'm very pleased about it. It all seems to be coming together. And, and then I think at some point we'll have some discussion about our future as well, whether we stay within a larger national UK organisation or whether the, because the grant uh, offer, which comes from DEFRA, is up for discussion in the next period. And the question is, do, does the trust stay as a England and Wales body or does it become a devolved body? I mean, it might be that Laura McAllister and her crew might want to show some interest in uh, how this develops in the future. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a debate to be had. Steve, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. If people want to hear more from you, where can they go on Twitter to find you? Uh, Twitter handle is uh, at Steve Thomas 100, and that's not my age. It was the one sort of number that it would accept. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Steve. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard this evening, please do not forget to find us on Twitter and Facebook at Here I've Pod and on our brand new website, www.walespolitics.com. Thank you for listening to Here I've. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe rate and review.